0: Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Exit Strategies Radio Show. I am your host, Colin J. Millette, broken owner of Exit Realty Low Country Group in beautiful North Charleston, South Carolina. If this is your first time listening to this show, you, sir or ma'am, are in for a treat because our mission here is very simple that is to empower our community through financial literacy and real estate education. We're legacy building. That is what we do so if you're out there making things happen with your family for the generations yet to come you know our word teaches us to leave a legacy to leave an inheritance for our children's our children's children and so forth and so on we want you to put a hashtag on that thing that says that you are legacy building because that is what you are doing you can find us on facebook youtube anchor fm you can also find us on instagram at our website Show.com. You can catch us in a number of different places on your favorite podcast applications We appreciate you listening Please share this content with your friends, your family, your co-workers Even those in your groups, your church groups, etc. guys Because sometimes the message and the word that we are speaking here today is for you Sometimes it is for someone else that you know Again, we appreciate you listening Let's get started Good Saturday morning and welcome, welcome to another episode of Exit Strategies Radio Show. I am your host, Colin J. Millett, broken on of Exit Realty, Low Country Group, and beautiful Beauty Bowl, North Charleston, South Carolina. Guys, y'all know it, y'all heard it. Y'all hear me say it all the time, but I'm still going to let y'all know who I is and whose I am. Yeah, Y'all got to catch that right there. Now look here, we got an, an amazing show. I've kind of prepped you guys the last week or two kinda of leading into this and I'm extremely excited for this conversation that we have set for today. We managed, guys, to go get our, our partner, Josh Dix from the Charleston Trothan Association of Realtors, the government affairs director over there, guys, to come and join us here today. So Josh, good morning and how are you doing?
1: Doing great. Thanks for having us. Looking forward to to chatting more about this study.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So last couple of weeks, Josh, I've kind of prepped, if you will, our group Our people, if you will, our listeners on the housing study recently that was commissioned by the Charleston Trident Association of Realtors. I believe some other organizations involved. There are a lot of community partners that were part of the discussion. And I just want to bring that information to our listeners because oftentimes we don't understand what is going on in the market that causes what we see in the market. There's underlying things that happen, if that makes any sense. So if you don't mind, tell us why we had, why the study was done. What is the study? Why the study was done and who was involved? And let's go from there.
1: Sure. So this is something that we had been talking about for a couple of years now. We were looking at it from different angles, trying to work with our municipalities. And really what we started to find is everyone wants to point fingers. They want to talk about the need for housing, but there really hasn't been a solution-oriented approach to addressing the lack of inventory that we have. Mm -hmm. So, we started kicking this idea around in the late part of 2020. We had the board approve the funding. We partnered with SCR and NAR through some different grants to line up the money, and then we started just interviewing consulting agencies. And ultimately, we landed on AEG out of Chicago. They were really the firm that was closest aligned to what we were trying to do. They've done similar studies like this. So we worked with them all of last year to analyze not only the state of housing in Charleston, but also to look at municipal policies and how there might be barriers to entry and obstacles that we need to figure out how to overcome if we're going to start to address this. So we worked with them and then finalized that report right at the end of last year and had it ready to launch for our meeting in January. And so we're really excited about it. I think it lays out a lot of things that we knew, some details that were a little shocking, and mm-hmm. then some approaches that we could take to try to slowly tick away at some of these issues that we're dealing with.
0: So, you know, one of the things that was very, very interesting to me as far as statistics was the jump between the first six months of 2020 and the first six months of 2021, both in the average rent amount in the Charleston area, as well as the average sales price. Can can you expound on that a little bit?
1: Yeah, I mean, just for... From January 2021 to June of 2021, just in that six-month window, you're talking about home sales went up 12.5%. Rents in that six-month window went up 14%. And so now we're looking at the median cost of a home is roughly $375,000, yet wages are not going up at that pace. We are at, for the region, 54000 for the average uh, income. So you're talking about most people can't qualify for the median housing price in the area. So that is a real showstopper, in my opinion, because how do we get folks into the housing chain? We don't have entry-level supply. We don't have that second tier home for people to upgrade into. We just have a logjam across the board and Without drastic income changes, you know, how can we stabilize the market to where, obviously, we want homes to continue to appreciate. We want that return on investment for the homeowner, but we also need to make it attainable for folks to get into the housing market. So we have to come at it from a couple different angles. I think a big Thing that people don't realize we need to be involved in is economic development. Like, how do we get those good, high paying jobs into our area so people have the income and the resources to qualify for these homes? So, we are not just a residential association. Economic development and commercial is a big part of what we do. And and we try to play in both of those fields as equitably as we can.
0: So, a mindset, a mindset that oftentimes we encounter. You know, and and this was a part of a conversation that you and I, I and mean, some of the other partners had, quote unquote, prior to the residential market update. Subsequently, it was an ongoing conversation that we oftentimes have this mentality, a mindset that, OK, we're here. All right. That's it. That's it. Nobody else comes in. Right. And the reality is that that is not practical. That's unreasonable to expect or think that, OK, I'm here. All right, close the gate, close the door. Let's put a chain on it. Let's not let anybody else in, into, quote unquote, what is our home, our backyard, our region, whatever. And you start, go back, history and how people say things, the dialects and things here. But some here, some people say, look here, they, they come here and they've been here. And the been here, you know, are saying, wait a minute, I don't need you to come here. So we don't want anybody else to come into our area. That is unreasonable. So, you know, you and I were just kind of sharing this conversation not too long ago that we are. and So there's an advantage in this, but I'll get to that. But we are. I said I believe we're San Francisco, San Diego, maybe 50 years ago and maybe New York 100 years ago. But you believe that we're going to get to that point a lot faster than that.
1: Yeah, I think if you look at the population trends and just the policies that we have, I think we're not too far away. You hit on something that triggered a thought. Everyone wants the drawbridge mentality. You know, I moved here and let's pull up the bridge. But you've been here long enough. You know, I grew up in South Carolina when textiles left the state, when the Navy left Charleston. I still go to meetings and people talk about how horrific that experience was. Okay. And the reality is, you look across the country, cities that aren't getting population they are dying and do we want to be a healthy robust population or do we want to be a desert i want to be a healthy vibrant community i want everything to stay the quality of life that we have and on top of that we have very low taxes you look at those communities where they're vacating the way they balance the budget is by raising taxes and so Mm -hmm. What's the happy middle? Do you like low taxes and low intrusion on your property, or do you want more government intervention? So I think we have to really have a conversation within ourselves about what type of community do we want to be. Do we? You talk to people who are moving here; they're leaving the high tax areas. So I prefer a healthy economy. Let's be smart about how we're growing. I don't want just rampant growth, but at the same time. We're in a good position, and, and this is a place that most communities across the country would love to be.
0: So, you know, one of the things that I always, I accept, I mean, this is a practical conversation, all right? You You're either growing or you're dying. There's no in-between. There's change is constant. So either as a community, we're either growing, which means population changes, all that kind of stuff, or we're dying. See, you're from a textile Community. Now, granted, it was textiles where I was, but I'm from the bedrock of where I'm from in South Carolina was tobacco. And you all know what happened to tobacco. So, all those warehouses, all the, you know, that's where the money was made. I mean, look at there. The auctioneer would come <laughs> into town, go from this tobacco warehouse to this one. The whole crowd. I mean, I'm, oh man, God, there was cars everywhere, right? People coming into town, money being spent, restaurants. I mean, people networking. And it was interesting as I think back to watch because it gives me an understanding of how things happen now. But tobacco, quote unquote, is dead. Now people still smoke, but it's dead. And in turn, that town, my town, my hometown now is, I mean, it's nearly desolate. There's abandoned houses boarded up all over. There's blight everywhere. No industry because everything else is textile left you. It left us too. So, and the problem is, is that the base, the residents, aren't technical or mechanical enough to get a job working somewhere where they need to be more technical and/or more mechanical. So now we have a population that really and truly, in today's era, have very limited opportunity. The Charleston region is different. We train people. People, you know, we're trying to in industry, so that makes us. More vibrant that gives better paying, higher paying jobs. But yet, and still, we have obviously through supply and demand an affordability issue. So, how do we address? What are some of the things you think we need to do to address that?
1: Well, you have a a couple different philosophies. I really think that we have to decide what type of community do we want to be. You know, we have a land issue. We can't grow to the east of us. We're bordered by an ocean there. Yeah. So mm-hmm. do we want to continue having sprawl, you know, single family, the traditional home, or do we want to look at denser, walkable communities? A big problem that people complain about when I'm at meetings are the traffic, the congestion, the stress on our network. Well, that's because people can't afford to live close to where they're working. So we really need to look regionally at these job centers how can we get housing in a smaller space not square footage but just in a area like how do we get denser communities and get folks off of the roads i think you know that would be a big answer to addressing some of the issues that we're having charleston was built on a walkable city that was a very dense community everyone could walk to where they had to go we had duplexes quadplexes different variety of home it wasn't just your single family home and i think we've gotten away from that and you know that's a big problem of the 20th century was looking at that type of home the american dream with the white picket fence but that's not how a lot of these old communities were built and and we need to really get back into that kind of diversity of our housing stock because not everyone wants a single family home. Some people like condos and that type of home, especially when you look at not only the millennials, people entering the housing market, but you look at our aging membership and folks who are retired, they want out of that 3,000 square foot home and into something more manageable. So we have two demographics that want the same product But we don't have that product showcase in our market. So those are the types of things that we need to start talking about. Zoning changes, allowing for a diversification of our housing inventory. You know, those are the types of things that I think we have to start talking about. You know, this concept is what's called the missing middle. It's something that we've been researching the last couple of years. It's something that we are preaching to our city and county councils and I think you're starting to see some momentum. There's an understanding from the planning community that this is the type of housing of the future. You know, It's funny because you have to look at the past to to see how we go forward. And that big missing piece of our inventory that I think hopefully we'll be addressing in this next year with some zoning changes and things like that.
0: Awesome. Josh, we're going to take this quick pause right here, guys. Our listeners, if you guys would hold tight, you know how it is. We got to pay the bills right here. So we got to drop <laughs> some commercial in right here. But look here, we'll be right back. Congratulations to our Realtor of the Week, none other than Christopher Williams. You can reach Chris by dialing 803-468-9332 or text K Williams. that is K-W-I-L-L-M-S, to 85377. Again, to 85377. I'll give Chris a holler now. Guys, and we're back. Second segment, Exit Strategies Radio Show. Thank you so much for joining us for being a part of quote unquote the Exit, exit family. Let's just make that broad. Exit low country <laughs> group, everything, right? So look, we're having a, a dynamic conversation. I want to get right back into it. We have Josh Dix with us from the Charleston Trident Association of Realtors, the government affairs director over there. And we're talking about, we're kind of expanding from a discussion that we opened on a house recent housing study. So Josh, again, thank you so much for being here with us today.
1: Yes, sir. Thanks for having me.
0: So I'm going to jump right back in. We're, we're kind of talking about policies and things that, that may need to be changed. Affordable housing. So let me, let me back up to this. Now I didn't catch the, the state of the city. I haven't went to look at it yet, but I'm going to because the city of Charleston, now granted, you know, Charleston is. Much broader than just the city of Charleston. It's Mount Pleasant, North Charleston, you know, other municipalities that kind of scatter around it as far as our region goes. But the mayor of the city of Charleston, Mayor Tecklenburg, love that guy. Love him. But anyway, that's another story. Great guy. So, but obviously it's a difficult job and he's got to have this conversation has to make affordable housing a priority. And affordable housing has become the new it term, if you will. I mean, everybody has to face something about affordable housing and there's a negative connotation. But then from a practitioner, because I've been doing this uh, as relates to affordable housing. I've been doing this thing so long. I don't think I know or remember when I was doing anything necessarily different. <laughs> we got to talk about attainability because the affordable piece is the reality. I think that the whole concept is blown. One of the challenges you were talking about this. And I wanted to make sure I got that up because we need to kind of incorporate that in. But the other thing that you were talking about is how we move people. Now, you know, I I remember I was part of a delegation from Charleston um, from our association a number of years ago. And we went to Charlotte and looked at their light rail system. They have a great light rail system there, commuter rail to get people from the outskirts into downtown and into where they need to be, et cetera. Light rail in Charleston, your thoughts, how does that impact housing and how does that impact housing affordability?
1: Well, uh, you know, I think light rail would probably be the future, but the immediate near term, the low country rapid transit, the COG and Carta and our municipalities are partnering on, you know, that's coming next year. Low country rapid transit, the line has been dedicated. We are working through some of the mechanics of it. But you look at North Charleston, for instance, there are nine stops in the city of North Charleston of 13, I believe, 13 or 15 total stops. So a majority of that chunk is happening along the Rivers Corridor in North Charleston. We went through Mayor Summy and City Council. We rezoned all of Rivers Corridor to what's called transit-oriented development, and that will allow development, mixed use of businesses, residents along Rivers Corridor to support that line. So that is going to be key to addressing the attainability issue that you just mentioned, but also how are we moving people? You know, that Mm -hmm. is a dedicated line from Somerville to downtown Charleston. It's estimated that it'll be a 45 minute route, including stops. We're talking about, you're not sacrificing an entire day on the bus to get from Mm -hmm. Somerville to Charleston. We're talking about a manageable piece of time that we have now. Mm -hmm. And if we can eliminate some of those transportation costs for people, hopefully that adds to their pocketbook and allows them to start to save, build some equity, look at buying a home and maybe they don't want to rent forever. So low country rapid transit is happening. 2023 that is supposed to come online and we're in a good position to have the right type of zoning to support the ridership. And I think that will Start to address a lot of these concerns that we're seeing because you're absolutely right. It's not just about getting people in homes it's how do we move them from jobs to home and back and everything else okay. yeah.
0: yeah, and that that's that's something that obviously in our community that that we really really struggle with, the more people we get in I've heard so many times uh from people that you know we may be working with or or with who are who've been here. Where did all the people come from? Well they're <laughs> moving in from other cities. Charleston's a great place to live. We touted everybody knows Charleston is a great place to live. So here they come, which why should we be surprised? So in turn, you know, we definitely need to look at ways to address that to help make the transition, the movement of people easier within our community to help alleviate, and granted, our rush hour, I mean, if you've ever been in D.C., going yeah. through D.C., Virginia, Maryland, New York, anywhere else, if you will, Atlanta driving in, quote-unquote, the hours of what's considered to be rush hour, man, look here, this ain't nothing. No. But, <laughs> I mean, nothing. And that stuff, Look you can't got on the side of the road making s'mores um, waiting for the car to move, you know? But again, nonetheless, it is what where it is and we have to one, we gotta educate ourselves. So that's that's the piece that I really struggle with. Within our profession, within our industry, we gotta help the consumers and educate the consumers. So we lack at times that education within the industry. So what can we I'm gonna get off of that because if you're if I'm a consumer, if I'm a I'm a you know mom and pop, I own this house, or maybe I own a business here in town whatever it may be. I've been here. What is it that I can do to help or what do I need to know so that I'm better prepared mentally for what is yet to come?
1: Yeah. I mean, I I think when you talk about transportation, I'm sitting here listening to you and thinking, you know, we talk a lot in politics about you can't change the outcome at the ballot box until you change the hearts and minds of the people. And I think there's a lot of that That's true when you talk about transportation. We grew up in farming communities. We are very agrarian-based and dependent on our car to get from A to B. But that's not how your major metro areas move people. And I think once we start to talk about the psychology of transportation, then we can address the foundation of how do we move people. And you're absolutely right. You look at these big markets trying to get over the Ravenel Bridge would take you 45 minutes. So that's going to be a generational type of thing that we just continually talk and educate and try to encourage folks to think outside the traditional ways that we've moved people in South Carolina.
0: You see, people have gotten away from this whole, you know, some of us remember when you take a track, and then go to the store. <laughs> yeah. you know, look here. I remember a farm. All, we had a little farm all. I, I forgot the name. of it, The little red farmer. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, you yeah. might have had a John Deere or something over there. But we had a little farm all. Take sometime, you take the track sometimes. We you had an Alice to Chalmers. To the store. Yeah. Can't do that now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Not you a helicopter. Sometimes you <laughs> trip from one part of the town to another. Or feel like you do, you know? Yeah. So I remember that and I get it. You we were talking and it's been a while. I've said this on this show. Um, it has been quite some time since I have said it, but I have said it here on this show because I remember coming back from, um, San Francisco conference there, our annual, probably a few years ago, maybe, maybe two, three years ago. And it was pre COVID. It had been pre COVID. And long story short, you know, they were talking about the average rent in San Francisco. And I recall that being like thirty three hundred, thirty five hundred dollars, or something like that. And you know, there were some people in the room that there was kind of this hush, like, what? like you know, the whisper, like, "Wait a minute, what?" But then there was also some people in the room that ain't, ain't say nothing, yeah, because thirty three hundred or thirty five hundred for them, well, that's cheap. And we get away from that. We lack. We don't look at other markets or other areas. And see what they go, so our advantage I think this is an advantage for us, but our advantage is that we have the ability to look at what other metro areas other cities did, whether it was good or bad, and then make our adjustments and learn from that whether it was again a mistake or whether it was the right thing to do, and in turn, we can quote unquote navigate our way better from the experience of others. The key is is in education, and we can't stop the growth but You can't elect somebody that's going to stop growth. That ain't working. Because every time you do, growth runs up against it, then then they got to go. So it isn't going to stop. So we have to look for leadership that's progressive, but also considerate. There has to be a balance. Got to consider where we are, the type of life we want to have, but we also have to be forward-thinking, progressive in our thoughts to try to navigate a path that will maybe it will re- meet resistance, but nonetheless navigate a path that's going to be most beneficial to our community as a whole. This is not personal. This is solely what is best for the residents, for our community. So Josh, do you have that you might want to add to, um, as we look to wrap up today's show, this has been great information, but what else for our listeners, what do you think would be beneficial for them to know?
1: I mean, I think we could talk about this for several sessions, uh, yeah, you, know, you got more time, but I think just context is key. You know, you look at the region, we need roughly 16,000 units just in the affordable range. That's a big number, but if we pick off a few here, a few there across the region, it's a little more manageable. When we talk about our inventory constraints, one of the things the study highlighted was that a healthy market for us. Is six months of inventory. Mm -hmm. Do you know what the number is to bring us up or six months of inventory? What's that? Mm 13,700 units we need just to get us at inventory levels that are healthy. And that's across all price points, not just affordable. That's how far in the hole we are as far as meeting our needs in the community. So we've got a long way to go, but I don't think these problems are impossible. I think. You nailed it just a second ago. We have a great opportunity to look at these other markets and decide, do we want to stick our head in the sand and ignore it and hope it goes away? But you can look at that plan and it blows up in all these other communities' faces. So let's get serious about these conversations. Let's work with our municipalities on better policy. And we're here in the community development business. That is what we sell our homes and communities. And I I think we just need to figure out what we want to look like. How do we want to feel? What do we want to be to each other? That's going to be the biggest obstacle is we can't draw the bridge up right behind us and pretend that no one else is coming. That's just, it's not sustainable and and it's just not the polite way to live. And we're a, a polite society. So I think that there's a lot of opportunity here. And there's a lot of growth for community building. And I love policy, but that's ultimately what it comes down to is we are building communities here
0: at the association. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Josh, thank you so much for being. Yes, sir. Most importantly, you are a resource for our association, but I count you as a personal resource and friend to not only me personally, but also to us here at the show. So thank you so much for taking time out to delve deeper into a discussion about the impact that we need to make on our community here in the Charleston region in order to reshape or to better shape it that way. So for our listeners, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Guys, you know, we didn't get you a bunch of of, breaks in there, but thank you so much for being tuned in, for listening. And most importantly, thank you for being a part of the Exit Strategies Radio Show family. Guys, you know, I say I love you. You know how many times I say it. But I do love you. And we're going to see you guys out there in the streets. Guys, that was a great show today. And we thank you so much for taking the time to listen to Exit Strategies Radio Show. My name is Corwin J. Millette. Yes, that is me. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in for today's episode. Exit Strategies is my baby. It is how I give back to our community. It is how I foster goodwill, spread good news, and trustfully help you get great results. Guys, as I always say to you, as I always say to you, I love you, I love you, I love you. And we are gonna see you guys out there in them streets.